The bandwidth for this episode of the AR-15 Podcast is sponsored by the Firearms Radio Network, firearmsradio.tv. Welcome to episode number 123 of the AR-15 Podcast. I'm your host, Reed Snyder, and with me tonight are my co-hosts, Anthony Hardy and J.W. Rank. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you, whether you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There's something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Anthony, you? Not too, not too bad, not too bad, man. Well, good. Well, before we get too deep into tonight's show, let's start off by reminding everybody that it is Brownells who helps make this show possible. So don't forget that Brownells, with her 100% lifetime satisfaction guarantee, is there for you anytime you have a problem. Like when you can't remove the taper pins from your new barrel to slip off the front side base, and you now have to find a new barrel. So, guys, have you guys signed up for the Brownells Edge program yet? No, but... um I think uh, I might be pretty soon because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get the bug. Yeah, I ordered my um, uh, my my buttstock. Now I wasn't from Brownells. I ordered a Daniel Defense buttstock, but when uh, I've also got a, a buffer tube that um, Reed managed to get that we're going to be doing a review on, a PWS buffer tube, and then I'm going to be getting put on here uh, in the next week or so. And I was going to do it this weekend, and I realized I had to remove it's okay. I'm here's the newbie showing through. It's called the Castle Nut. Is that right? Yeah. I had to remove the Castle Nut, and I don't have an armorer's tool. So, Brownells to the rescue. Um, I'm ordering my, my armorer's tool. So, I'm thinking, you know, I start doing this stuff. I may as well go ahead and finish the build on my lower that I've got. And hey, what a nice topic. It works out really good for me. So, yeah. Well, there you go. When we ordered a bunch of stuff, I may as well go ahead and sign up for the Edge program. Well, you know, I I have to say that on the few things that I ended up ordering that I didn't need, uh, the Edge program would have been really great being able to send some stuff back. But I guess that just means I have to order more stuff that I don't need so I can send other stuff back later. I'm just thinking about the discounted shipping. So, <clears throat> Yeah, that's pretty good, too. JW? Mm-hmm. You can't be the last one to the party. No, I haven't signed up yet. I actually just um, put in an order for just over a hundred boxes uh, to be delivered from IKEA this Sunday. So I'm redoing my kitchen, and I think that means the gun budget is pretty well tapped for the next couple months. Oh wow! Yes. Welcome to marriage. Yeah, right now. <laughs> so uh, JW, you're on the front end of that, right? What do you mean? On the front end of marriage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, it'll be three years this summer. Wow. Wow. Anthony, you? Um, I have to count 16, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, good. Yep. Almost this, this June will be 21 years I've been with my wife. Well, that's yeah. pretty darn good. That's pretty darn good. So maybe, maybe 17 then that we've been married this summer. I'm not sure. 16 or 17. I better figure that one out. <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well. Reed? 
You guys need to sign up. So, everyone, <laughs> listen. When you shop for your AR-15 parts of brown owls, go to our website. Click the link that carries you through to brown owls and help us out by doing your shopping that way. That'll send a little bit of money back to the network so that we can continue to provide you with excellent broadcasting. All right. Well, guys, uh, I think that it is about time that we uh, cover a topic that really is the reason why we all hear. Um, and that reason is helping people build ARs. So way back in the inaugural shows, it was Jake and I who went over these topic areas to help people build their first AR. Well, I don't think we've been back in a while, and, uh, you know, I think that it would be remiss uh, for us to not really take a chance to stop and talk about all of those items in the context of everything we've learned since. So, guys, building an AR-15 from scratch, let's talk about the lower receiver. So uh, we all know what a lower receiver is. Do you guys have any major uh, thoughts on quality when it comes to a lower receiver? Honestly, now I, this is, I'm still showing the newbie again, and I know I've asked this question before, but, you know, this is for those listeners that are new to the show um, and for a good refresher for me, um, What is, there's the difference between where the forged and billet. Right. Right. So what are those differences? Y'all remind me because I never can remember. Well, a forged lower would typically be what you find in a, they call them basically mil-spec lower. It okay. is uh, forged in the rough shape that it ultimately ends up, and there's some basic milling to it. A billet starts off with a, you know. A block of a aluminum. A block, a cube, a rectangle. Right. And from it, you mill off the components. So there's just a lot more work involved, machine work involved in a in a millet one. And since it's made of a single block, it may be a stronger, in the long run, longer lasting material, because that's why it's a higher quality. No, actually, no? the forged is a little higher strength oh, because gotcha. of okay. the way that it's assembled. Um, Oh, it probably has something to do. Yeah, and it's something like if it's forged, then it's melted. The metal's melted whenever it goes into the the mold. And it, well, it's basically it's pressed. I think there's some lining up of a aluminum crystal. Oh, the, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, some sort of a lining up. Metal does that whenever. Yeah, okay. And so, uh, and you know, I think really when it comes down to it, uh, those are considerations that while there is a distinction. I would tend to say that they are distinctions without meaning. Right. The ultimate issue is you need something that's going to hold a, you know, a barrel nut, uh, uh, in front of the extension, uh, barrel extension of a barrel. And that's what's going to make the two together in an upper. And you need to have something with two holes uh, for your, uh, takedown and pivot pins in the lower to attach the upper to the lower. Um, so that- is it a question for quality of tolerances more than anything else? Well, you if know, it's, if their tolerances are tight so that measurements are good and correct? I, I think what it comes down to is a personal preference. I know a lot of people get hung up on things like that. Um, I am just as willing to go to a PSA lower, um, you know, a standard Bushmaster lower, um, even a Colt lower, 
um, because it's just the standard bays. At the same time, you go to the higher end upper, like a Mega Arms, Aero Precision. Um, geez, help me out, JW. There's a half a dozen just top shelf guys out there. Yeah, and what they're bringing to the table is kind of some small specific features, um, as far as giving you some ambidextrous controls or a uh, little take up, um, set screws to really eliminate any wobble between the upper and lower. Um, so I mean, that's, that's kind of where the distinct, distinguishing features show up is in those, uh, added technologies that are kind of a step above your standard mill spec built to the same spec as everybody else, sort of lower. Um, I mean, you see guns that are running on polymer lowers and it's just not where the forces are applied. Um, as far as the forces of combustion, as long as you got a strong, um, sort of area where the, the receiver extension screws in. Other than that, I mean, it's, there's not much for, for it to fall apart. Um, right. so I, I haven't really gone overboard with any of my, uh, lowers. You know, I will tell you that when it really comes to the quality right now in this industry, I think more often than not, if you're a player in the industry, it's because you've weathered the last two storms of supply chain disruptions, uh, consumer demand disruptions, and all of the things that the last eight years have brought us. And I think we've kind of winnowed out the the chafe from the wheat. I think we've got a really good selection uh, in the industry out there, so you shouldn't have too much to worry about. It's just a matter of where you're going to spend your ducats. And uh, obviously, if quality and looks and feel are that important to you, then you're going to spend more on this set on the receiver side than you would on other parts. But I think, by and large, you're going to be okay with most everything that's commercially available. Um, mind your piece yeah, and there's cues. some really cool-looking ones nowadays, too. I know oh, one yeah. of our... Um, followers on Instagram had tagged a photo of that new, um, what is it, like a warthog lower? Is that an arrow? Who is that? I've seen that. That is awesome looking. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty cool custom magwells that guys are doing. Well, you know, I think that kind of leads us to some of the features. I think that in the middle, you've got kind of a, not quite the mega arms, but a little bit above the mil spec. And I think you're going to see things like, you know, machined aesthetics. Uh, isn't there one with a skull on the front that's just recently hit the market? Um, I think you're also going to see things like uh, trapped uh, springs or pins that um, screw in instead of uh, are driven in uh, with uh, your standard set of Brownells uh, pin punches. Um, and what else? Um, the... Uh, Safety selector, uh, detents, uh, being, uh, fed through the bottom, uh, through your, uh, handguard instead of, uh, right behind your, uh, end plate. Yeah, I mean, did you mention 45 degree safety selector? No, 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 we're not even there yet. Yeah. You're jumping so ahead four bullet points. Sometimes you gotta get a special lower for that too. So that's yeah. a consideration for the lower if you wanna do a build on that. You know, so when it comes down to it, there are a lot of kind of really unique features that are making putting these uh, lower receivers together a lot easier. Um, so I think it 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 
is worth mentioning that if you're going to build a rifle, you should, I think, build it from a holistic approach. You look at all the things you like, all the things you want to put on it, and you start adjusting your different pieces accordingly so that when you get your decisions made, everything's going to work together. Like JW said, you get the wrong lower for a 45-degree throw, and you're just not going to be happy with it because it's going to be just a little off kilter. Low mark, too. That's one very important thing is whose logo you want on the side of it because it's all about looks. That's if you right. want a zombie roll mark or if you want like some pew, no pew, 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 safety selector uh, indicators. Those are cool. Yeah, or an eagle or an anchor. Yeah. But, you yeah. Know, just talking about the really cool stuff. Anyway, special considerations. Um well, JW, you and I have a tax stamp, so I think that that's one of the big considerations for your lower. Um, I have heard of lots of people having difficulty finding the real estate to mark their lowers. Did you have that problem when you got yours marked? Um, no, I just mark them right underneath the trigger guard. Mm-hmm. I have a guy do it for me, and it's there's plenty of room to do what the ATF requires and looks real clean. It's not messing up the side of the gun. Uh, if you're worried about people seeing your gun in photos and stealing the name of your trust, then it's <laughs> it's a little more hidden. Um, now, I had mine down on the front of the Magwell. Uh, yeah. And so it was a really nice look. But, you know, uh, if you're going to go ahead and turn it into uh, an SBR, you know, certainly... Acquiring the receiver and getting started on that process from the beginning is is really going to put you ahead of the curve time-wise um, because you do have a weight. So I, I think you might want to consider whether you might want to do that if you're going to get yourself uh, a lower receiver and get started on a build. Uh, if not, uh, JW, any other thoughts on special considerations? I guess just the fact that this is the serialized part of the build. Um, this is the only part that you're going to have to go to a FFL to receive from a manufacturer or a distributor unless you're doing a face-to-face sort of um, transaction or if you're going through some sort of gun show loophole. Um, this this is the serialized part. So everything else in the build, you can order on Brownells and just have it show right up at your door. Um, but the receiver, this is the firearm, this is the serialized part, Um this is what you typically do a 4473 on. That's true. And, you know, you can order your lower receiver from Brownells, but like JW was saying, it's going to go through an FFL. So um, let's just touch on that briefly. Um, if you have a local gun store, chances are they will act as an FFL. You'll have to pay a fee. If you're in most any city of any reasonable size, you're probably going to have a couple of kitchen table FFLs. I don't know how easy it is to find them, but I think that if they're like most of the ones here, they're signing up to websites like Brownells or Gun Broker so people know that if you're shipping into you know Erie, Pennsylvania, these are the five guys out there that are kitchen table FFLs. Um, some of the big, uh, big box stores have the licenses like a, a Cabela's, a Bass Pro, but you know, I've never explored and shipping they something They charge crazy, there. crazy prices for transfers though, because they want you buying their mm-hmm. inventory. So true. 
But will yeah, they accept some of those big places? You're talking the seventy-five, eighty-dollar transfer. Whereas if Oof. it's a guy's uh, kitchen table, it's kind of in the twenty, thirty-dollar range most of the time. I've got yeah. a ten-dollar kitchen table guy. He's great. <laughs> nice. Um, but you know, I, I would say don't be afraid of them. You know, heck, they love firearms as much or more than you. And the reason they're in business is because they want to make you happy. So they'll answer your questions and they'll make it easy. And they're going to follow the law because none of them want to go to prison. Yep. Um, if you're going to take your build towards uh, the pistol realm versus the rifle realm, uh, just discuss that with your FFL. Um before they fill out all the forms, just to make sure that it's going to be transferred to you as a receiver um, rather than as a rifle, so that you're not kind of stuck in that in that world. That is true. Um, Anthony, do you have anything that you would ask or anything to input here? Um, you know, my experience in buying a lower um, was with Brownells, and um, they can run the gamut. You can pay. Anywhere, like I paid 50 bucks for my, um, uh, Bushmaster, uh, lower, and you, I've seen lowers for $200. So, like Reed said, I think, you know, it's really depends on how much money you want to put into it. I don't think you can, you're going to find a, a lower that's $50 that's going to really be a horrible lower. Uh, if you get a decent brand name, um, you may be missing some of those advanced features you want, but it all depends on what you're specifically looking for. And if you're really wanting to do the full-blown DIY, you could go down the 80% route. And we actually have, um, I think, one, probably two shows about that. I know we've interviewed manufacturers of 80% lowers, um, or excuse me, of pieces of metal. Pieces that of metal. You have delivered to your house and uh, turned into whatever, whatever you'd like. Um, but, yeah, take a look in the catalog. We have some shows on 80% lowers. Episode 113. Nice. Excellent. All right. So, you know, I think the next uh, highlight here is the lower parts kit. And I think, by and large, this is the most underrated part of a build because most people think of it as springs and roll pins. But I think that when you're looking at your lower parts kit, this is where you're going to find your uh, bolt catch. This is where you're going to find your safety selector. It's going to be where you find your mag release, and in many of them, but not all of them, you're going to find a uh, fire control group. So there are a number of add-ons that you're going to have to buy at the same time, so I think it's worth talking about this in a little bit of detail. But first, um, with or without a fire control group, and when I say fire control group, we're talking about Hammer, trigger, hammer springs, trigger springs, and two pins. So that would be your standard mill spec setup. And that's going to be what you're going to find in most lower parts kits. But you can go a whole lot more advanced than that. Um, JW, what's your preference? If you're going to buy a lower parts kit, are you going to really go with the full kit? Or are you going to just kind of say... I need a basic parts kit because I'm going to get my special safety selector and be mag release. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to go on that? Um, Typically, I have just gotten the full basic parts kit. And as a result, I have a million A2 grips. 
because I am not a big A2 grip fan, but they always seem to come with one of those. Um, so if you are at a retailer that offers sort of a customized lower parts kit, that's a great way to go. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have a spare uh, mil-spec trigger floating around your parts bin. Um, so it's it's probably not going to jack the price up much. It's it's just not a bad thing to have spare in case you do want to switch out triggers. I was having some issues with one of my upgraded drop-in triggers and uh, so pulled it out. I went back to the mil-spec one and I just haven't gotten around to upgrading the trigger again to something different. So I've just been rough rocking a mil spec trigger and my primary gun and uh I mean it's it's not a bad trigger. It's you pull it and it goes bang. So. Right. I also forgot the disconnector and the disconnector spring in my summary of parts. So I didn't want to have any any of our commandos out there berating me for that. Well, um, depending on the parts kit you get, there could be a sear and a sear pin and all of that too. <laughs> Yeah, but it's never that kind of Christmas at my house. Um, so what about the extra parts? Um, you know, I'm not really a kind of a bolt catch fiddler. I put a bad lever on a, one of mine and for the most part I leave those alone. But I'm a big ambi safety selector. I like the BAD, um, ambidextrous safety selector for a number of reasons. And, uh, I've tried a Troy, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the other name, uh, Ambi Magcatch. And they're, they're, they're fine, but, um, they're a little pricey. Other than that, I don't really go all that ambidextrous, all that much more customized. But I do like the KNS anti-roll pin setups. JW, do you have any preferences on how you're running the, Accessories are yeah, lower. Tend to start simple. Um, learn all the basic manual of arms on the AR, and then if you feel like something um, could be made easier, or if you're a lefty and you want to go ambi, kind of go from there. But to start off with, I'd probably lean towards just doing a basic parts kit, um, so that you can learn the way that 95% of the rifles are operated uh, before getting fancy. Um, well, and I think for that's me, a and, good point. Ambi safety selectors are great, and that's one thing that I have on all my builds. But beyond that, I, everything's pretty standard. Yeah, but you and I are both left-handed. I mean, for the standard righty, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think it's absolutely imperative that you just understand how to use your rifle. And I think the standard build kit's going to let you do that all day long. And and really, you know, the BAD uh, safety select, it it's Six one way, half dozen the other. The only reason I like it is because you know I can actually operate it left-handed, like a right-handed person does their mill spec setup. So, yeah, to to your point, I think that my bias is being the lefty and knowing that I'm going to pick up the righty's rifle and not be able to manipulate it with the same degree of familiarization or familiarity. So. I, I think you absolutely have a good point for um, all of the right-handed shooters out there. Uh, that is a an excellent starting point until you get some time on the accessories and realize where you're going to spend the money. I mean, we're we're looking at what sixty to eighty bucks for a lot of those. Oh yeah, if that. If that. Um, I mean, 
and it's that's another part where it's it's great to have an extra lower parts kit in the gun room um just in case something goes flying and lands in the shag carpet or mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. or if it's just a, a part that fails or a spring that ends up wearing out so it's yeah it's and- one of those kind of almost disposable sort of parts um, that you can have some extras of lying around. Yeah, I've got plenty of those. Um, You know, I think quality is a hard one to figure out on a lot of these. You know. Yeah, it's not like they're stamped made in America on every little detent. No. So Um, you can't really track where it comes from. You kind of got to go, and do I trust that distributor? Do I think mm -hmm. it's a reputable source that if I'm going to have any issues they'll stand behind it and they'd be happy to take a return or send me a replacement. Um, so I think that's kind of where you want to rely. You know, and to that point, I'm, I'm going to pull up some more to wisdom from a gunsmith that does a lot of work for me. He says that you have to be careful when you're going to stone some of those trigger components because when you get past the hardening, your, your metal is essentially pudding. Um, you know, if you don't, absolutely know the quality of your um, fire control group components and you're going to try to take the grittiness out of a, uh, a trigger, uh, you get too happy with the stoning and you might just get to the place where you've gotten past all the, the hardening, surface hardening on the metal. And I think that yeah, can be so dangerous. Risking your gun going unsafe or full auto. Um sometimes isn't worth what you could save by just going and getting one of those ALG triggers that's kind of been refined and uses some real nice coatings and gives you the same sort of performance. And has that attention to detail to make sure that it is properly hardened, properly, you know, manufactured. Yeah. As opposed to some places and countries where they have a 32,000 character alphabet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that kind of gets us right into the fire control group and uh, all the options that are there. I mean, there's the big players, the Geisleys and the Timneys, uh, the CMCs. Um, seems like there's always new guys showing up at shot, bringing uh, some real exciting kind of takes on the, the AR fire control group. Right. Um, for 99% of us, they're semi-auto. Um, lately, there's kind of been a push to alternative uh short reset sort of fast fire solutions right um so it's there's some choices if you want kind of a fun range uh range toy versus something that is set up for doing real precision shots at distance uh versus something that's more of a combat proven uh rugged but still real quick on the trigger sort of uh uh, something that you'd find it in some of the higher end guys list. Well, you know, I think that really does illustrate one of the biggest parts of the fire control group trigger stuff. I think most shooters get out there and it's going to be a while before your skill exceeds the limits of your trigger. No. And I think that you have to be careful that you're not just Buying a trigger for the sake of, you know, buying a trigger. I'll, I'll tell you, my my um, best shooting is with a hunting rifle I have, seven millimeter Magnum. I can put half inch MOA groups together using a Remington factory trigger 
Now it's a 1984. So I'm not sure exactly which trigger that is in the hierarchy of all the things that Remington does to themselves these days. Um, but at the same time, um, it was factory ammunition, factory trigger, factory rifle. You know, I didn't have to go out and, you know, buy a $400 trigger to, you know, get those groupings. It was just, you know, basic, you know, marksmanship fundamentals. But, you know, when you get to a point where you can put together your fundamentals and you think that your trigger is part of what's holding you back, whether it's speed or you want something that's just a little crisper with a, a lighter pull, yeah, I mean, I think definitely this is where you're going to get your best bang for your buck. Because this is the direct interface between you and setting that, you know, touching off that, that round when it's time to pull the trigger and uh, actuate the cycle. So, special considerations for the fire control group. I would say try them out. Yeah, if you've got a range that has a couple different rifles with different triggers in them, just take advantage of that. Figure out whether you like single stage, double stage. Um, figure out whether there's... Uh, you, you hear different terms online, like it's... The trigger feels like breaking glass. And it's like, really? Like, who breaks glass with their finger, like the pad of their finger? Like, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Right. Um, so, yeah, hop behind a couple of these triggers and, and try right. and sort that out for yourself. You know, I think that, I mean, JW, you've been to shot. I've been to shot a couple of times. I've been to the NRA show. And, Anthony, you've been to the NRA show. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are a number of times you find a vendor, they have mock-ups of their triggers and devices that let you pull the trigger and feel what it's going to feel like. CMC is an example of that. Uh, Geisley is an example of that. I don't recall that being something widely available to gun show attendees or people that go to a Cabela's or... Nope. You know, I, it, it just didn't occur to me. JW, do you, do you have any recollection of, of any place where you've been able to like really get your hands on a lot of different kinds of triggers? Uh, media day at shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been on the show for what a year and a little bit now, a year and three months or something like that. And been all over the place to like all kinds of different ranges. I've been in all kinds of different, um, gun shows. Um, all, all kinds of places. And until I went to the NRA show, the, um, aside from like factory triggers, the only trigger that I had my actual hands on was my own rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just, that's just the way it was for me. You know, I'm, right. I, it's not that way for everybody I know, but, and I got the chance to handle every trigger under the sun there, right. which was just awesome. Well, really, it was amazing. I think with that in mind, you know, it, it's kind of, um, it's real easy for us to say, try them all. Um, but that's not really a, a realistic bit of advice. No, but if, if you've got a buddy or, I, you know, one of the things that, um, that I've, uh, come to, to realize, if you've got a, a, a range that has any sort of competition, um, that happens at all, if you head out to one of these competitions that are around, the guys are going to be happy to let you pull the trigger a couple of times, even if it's not with a lot around in it. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. You know, take advantage of that friendliness. 
I think what you need to do, what, what, what the, what the, the, the counsel is, the advice is go to your group of firearms enthusiasts and find out who's doing what and talk to them, you know, figure out who bought this, who bought that. You know, I, I guarantee you, you're going to learn more by the tales of people telling you what not to buy than you will ever learn about anything you get your hands on. But, you know, I think that's probably your best resource. Yep. I, I know I've got a small group of people that, like me, they dabble, they get into different things, and, you know, between the whole, somebody has put their hands on something that I'm interested in. So, I mean, I think that is really where you need to start out with. And I, I'm not afraid of relying on people getting out there and putting reviews up on the Internet. You know, I, I don't agree with the guy that's mad because, you know, somebody didn't kiss his butt the right way at, you know, tech support or he didn't, you know, get, you know, lightning fast, super grown service because, you know, it's the middle of a, you know, six month drought and he just thinks he's special. But we all know how to filter out the outliers and narrow down what's in the middle. And I think that that's a good resource when you're looking at something that's can be as much as $300 that you're not going to go out and buy, you know, every company's model in that range to try them out. So I guess that belabors the point, but there you go. Um, anything else on triggers, guys? Hmm? No, just tread lightly if you're thinking about uh, pulling out the Dremel. <laughs> yes, good point. Um, receiver extension tubes. I know that once we had mentioned, uh, the receiver extension tube in passing and we have been suitably chastised. So I want to remind everybody that when you are putting together a build, there are a lot of things that you can find out there by way of receiver extension tubes that really kind of go past the, the military standard six position, five position, three position, however many position receiver extension tubes you're going to find. Um, but to start off with, I want to remind you all that we have basically two standard sizes. There is a commercial tube and then there is a mil spec tube. And there is a problem putting stocks of either sort on the other tube. So, Make sure whatever you get is going to line up with the stock you are going to choose. So that's your first consideration. Um, so we've seen PWS and their enhanced buffer tube. And I think that as a starting point, that is a pretty good foundation for talking about um, what you can put into uh, an extension tube uh, in terms of, you know, a, pretty wide array of features but of course you have a number of extension tubes that are custom built for things like the the shorter uh sbr market um what is it lwrci has one i believe it's e Ooh, i'm not even going to mention it but there's another one that extends like the uh, MP5. I think, JW, you might have been talking about it at one point. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who makes it off the top of my head. I want to say it's like New England something. Or... Right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's a number of purpose-built uh, buffer uh, receiver extension tubes that uh, have semi-classable or fixed end stocks that are just kind of, you know, quirky and stylized with some kind of milling or, you know, added texture on the outside. There's just a number of things that you can get into when it comes to the tube itself. But when it comes down to it, for the most part, it just acts as a housing for your buffer and your buffer spring. So don't get wrapped up in the idea that you have to find the extension tube that has the most features, but know that there are a number of options. And Sometimes it's the extension tube that can answer a problem. Um, so one of the things that you're also going to probably be looking at uh, with the extension tube is going to be the end plate. Um, JW, you have mag poles end plate on one of your rifles, don't you? Yeah, this one I've been fiddling with has one of those uh, doohickeys on the back to clip into. Um my buddy Josh actually runs these, but he clips these off so that it's not dangling and making noise and stuff. Right. And you can clip onto the base rod just as easily. Um, and so that's how he likes to do it. There's some with QD spots now in the back. Um, if you're running a QD sling, mm-hmm. um, this one's just kind of left over because I actually have QD on the stock. Um, and that's what I end up using rather than the, the end plate here. Um, but, yeah. So, let's see. What other features? You know, I think really other than quality considerations, uh, the only feature I can think of are the number of positions you're going to find. I think uh, Voltor has a seven-position stock. Uh, it requires its own spring and buffer, but um, it also comes with some other um, it's being able to mate to their A5 uh, stock system that really kind of mates the whole seven position system a a lot nicer. But um, I don't know, guys, you have any any thoughts on the idea of the receiver extension tube as a functional part of your build consideration? It's a pretty basic piece, right? So Oh, don't say that. They'll yell at you. Well, you know, like you said, it can have some. It can have some fancy features, but it's not too complicated. So, unless you're wanting to do something specific, fancy with it, um, you're ma- you're looking at basic quality control. All right, JW. No, nah, I got nothing. All right. So, uh, buffer and buffer spring. This can be important. Yes, it can be. You know, I had an opportunity to talk to the guys at PWS. Um, they sent out a receiver extension tube that's their enhanced buffer tube. And we put it on a uh, Lone Wolf distributor lower that has a an upper receiver we're testing for them that is a 357 SIG upper. And in talking with them... I discovered that they have an H4 buffer, which is a 6.9 ounce buffer. And, you know, literally you pick that thing up and you think you ought to hit someone in the back of the head with it, take them out. It's pretty darn heavy. (laughs) But, uh, you know, H1, H2, H3, 
I, I don't think I remember seeing an H4. But, you know, the buffer weight can really help you tune a rifle, depending on what the problem is, depending on what your components are. Heavier or lighter can mean all the difference in getting your rifle to function and cycle reliably, no matter what you're doing. Um, I have, to date, been pretty lucky. I haven't had to really tinker a lot. Um, JW, uh, you've been into SBRs, I think, far longer than I. Have you ever had to really kind of sit down and troubleshoot a, a buffer problem? No. I've run into it a couple of times on the range where guys are messing around with putting suppressors on and um, running different length barrels and stuff like that. They'll switch out uppers and one upper cycles fine and the other one doesn't. And it's it's like a buffer weight issue. Mm. Um, one of my buddies runs just a regular old like 14 and a half inch upper. And whenever he runs a can on it, it just beats the crap out of that um, piece of polymer at the end of the buffer. And so it's something that he needs to address if he gets his own suppressor. Um, well, there but, you go. I, yeah, I I've actually got, this one's got one of those JP captured springs in it. Um, so it's just kind of a real quiet sort of um, action and you can tune it with different weight springs. I think they're like 1911 action springs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of was doing a real quiet, suppressed 300 blackout build and wanted to get the spoiling out of the the action noise and uh, I haven't had any issues with it. It's ran everything just fine. Well, that's excellent. Um, you know, spring selection is another way to address some of these issues. You know, uh, Michael C. has been a uh, contributor from time to time and he has his own podcast. He, he really does a lot of the uh, competitive side of things. And he has always um, been a big fan of one of the flat springs that Brownell sells. And uh, I think it may be Tubbs, David Tubbs, that sells it or manufactures it. But um, when it comes to the spring, there are a number of options. And I think marrying the proper spring and the proper buffer, you, you can probably overcome just about anything that has got you befuddled. Um, so I, I think really when it comes down to it, um, this isn't going to be a, a right-out-of-the-box issue or component you're going to go to. I think you need to buy a standard buffer, a standard weight buffer, and a standard spring. Assemble a rifle, and if you are having problems, know that this is a place you can go to for some of your answers. Um, but I do not think that you're going to uh, help yourself by going out and deciding that you need an H4 buffer and a uh, you know super spring or whatever the case is, because you're getting ahead of yourself. You don't know if you have a problem yet. Um, but I think that really kind of captures what we need to talk about as far as buffers and buffer springs. You guys have any thoughts on that? I see shaking heads. And, of course, we're in a radio show, and none of our listeners nope, see shaking heads. All right. Um, stock and grip. You know, really, at this point in time, there are so many options out there that... 
I don't think that there's a wrong way to go. I think obviously there are a number of companies whose quality stands head and shoulders above the rest. I think the features are just whatever they're going to have in their lineup and uh, about the most you can expect in the feature side of stock and grip are going to be storage, um, spots for your QD, uh, swing mounts, um, and other uh, connection point accessories like that. And uh, weight, weight's probably a big piece. So, you know, when it comes down to the stock and grip, I think, by and large, I am a huge Magpul fan. But I also have some uh, uh, pretty standard uh, LMT components. Uh, I also have uh, a real desire to get into that uh, Daniel Defense stock. Yeah. Yep, yep. When mine gets here, I can't wait. Um, now that the uh, the pistol grip that they've got, uh, when I got a chance to get my hands on their rifle at the NRA show, that pistol grip that they had was really, really nice. And I'm, I'm giving it, uh, giving it some consideration. Um, it's got a rubberized grip. So, you know, the texture again can be a component when you're looking at choosing a, choosing a grip. Um, angle can be, uh, a component. There's a, a, a pistol grip that I've seen out there that has an adjustable angle, mm-hmm. um, that looks really neat. Um, I don't know how, you know how well it runs. Obviously, I haven't had a chance to get my hands on it. I don't know if they were NRA or not. I don't, I don't remember seeing their booth, um, seeing their name on a booth anywhere. But uh, it's something I would uh, would like to try one day if I ever get a chance to find somebody that has one of those. But um, yeah, that could be uh, something to look at because I know people always talk about in pistols how important you know the grip is for for aiming and whatnot. It's not obviously not as big a deal in rifles, but definitely something to give a consideration to for personal preference and nothing else. JW, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's so many options now that you can fit to your particular hand size, um, the grip angle that you want to use for your application, whether you're going to be sitting on a bench more or um, running maybe a shorter build with some plates on and you want your grip to be a little more vertical or something like that. Um, there's, there's a million choices now, so... It's the kind of thing where they're probably cheap enough to get a couple and try them out um, without without too much hassle. And you know, with Brownell's Edge Program, return shipping is free. Yeah, I was gonna recommend that for the triggers. Like, hey, just buy ten triggers. <laughs> but I wasn't sure how how Brownells felt about that. <laughs> um, you know, the thing that I've been really tinkering with. I've been tinkering with a build in gray. Because, you know, this year gray is the new black. Have you guys noticed that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, the for jackets tornado. And stuff that's like that. Everyone's got the urban gray. Have you seen an all urban gray AR yet? Uh, the, the Haley gun has been out for a while from BCM. And that's one of them that comes all seracoded, some sort of disruptive, gray, responsive coating. There you go. I'm gonna have to look that up. I I, I think that I have a good luck to gun. Build. Huh? Is it? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, the, hey. I don't know. It's called like the thorn. It's the Jack. That's what it is. The Jack carbine, and it's got all the thorn tail mounts and stuff on it. 
Well, who's but Jack? A flashlight. I don't know. I I know Haley's kind of got um, an artistic side, so there's probably some meaning behind it. It's um, not like a what would Jack do kind of thing, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It, it might actually Bauer. be connected to that one of those um, graphic comics that oh. has all the the contractors working. There you go. Well, so, um, you know, I think we've got a good starting point. I think we're going to go over the upper receiver pieces next week. Uh, and we're going to cover any feedback and questions you might have about the lower receiver and its build in our feedback section if you send them in in time. Uh, and then I think in our third episode, we're going to cover basically putting it all together. Because uh, once you buy all your pieces, that's what you're going to be left with. Uh, an evening of fun and frivolity, putting together all of those pieces. So, um, I want you guys to stay tuned, and uh, I do want you to participate with some feedback, because this, of course, is going to help us uh, basically make sure we're getting all of your questions answered. We take a lot of things for granted, because we're sitting here on this side of however many episodes, 122 episodes, but... We know that some of you guys are just joining. We know that some of you guys are just going to find us because of these episodes. So let us know what you really want us to talk about. And there's no such thing as a stupid question that is 100% true. Absolutely. You see, we don't even give Anthony a hard time. Thank goodness. I don't know what I'd do. Lord. So, um... Any takeaways, anything that you think is worth mentioning, anything that we forgot? JW? Um, I think it's worth it to build your own. I know that it's real easy to just buy a complete lower, a lot of different places, um, but you're going to probably be buying a lot of little widgets to change it around and get it exactly how you like. Um, so why not just start from the ground up and, Get yourself an armorer's tool and crank down that tassel nut and uh, do it yourself. That's a good point. Anthony? Ed, JW's right. You're going to end up taking the thing apart anyway. I mean, you know, if it's either you're going to be taking it apart or you're going to sit in a safe and you're never going to touch it again. So if you think you're just going to put it in a safe, then why buy it in the first place? I hope you're not the kind of person that's going to do that. If you're going to get an AR-15, go ahead and build the stinking thing. I should have done that to start with. Um I would have learned a whole lot more in the process um, about the the rifle to start with. So, you know, my next one's definitely a build. And this one I'm taking apart piece by piece, little by little, learning everything about it, putting it all back together. I've already taken my third group apart, did that. You know, you guys can listen to that in previous shows. Um, Grip's been taken apart. Now I'm doing the buttstock, taking it apart, you know, taking the uh, flash header off. Taking I'm, I've taken all kinds of stuff off this stinking thing. So, you know, the only thing I'm worried about is the barrel when it comes time to actually build. But. You know, we'll cover that one next week or the week after, I guess. So. That's right. Well, you know, I think uh, those are all good points. And I want to remind you that it is because of those points that we even began the podcast. In our search for a way to help people build their own, we got together to start this show. 122 episodes later, uh, we are now revisiting this topic but it is still the reason why we are here. So and we're getting filthy rich doing it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I had a joke with our president and grand poobah that um, my check was the biggest of all because I had the most zeros behind the first one. So Yep. Um, we do this because we love the rifles. We uh, love building them. We love owning them. We love shooting them. And JW gets to do it more than anybody I know on earth who isn't enlisted. So, yep. Um, it's definitely a lot of fun. So we'll get back with you in the next two episodes. And with that, I think that wraps up our main topic. So, guys, uh, Otis Technology has got us a giveaway. Do we have a winner tonight, Anthony? We have a winner. Yes, yes, yes. Our winner is Michael Blaise. Michael, we sent you an, a message a message on Facebook. It should be in your other folder. Uh, if you will reply to that message or just send us a message to our Facebook page, we will make sure to get your contact information so that we can get uh, your winnings out to you. So Michael Blaise, B-L-A-C-E, make sure to contact us on Facebook so that we can get your winnings out to you. Congratulations. All right. And I want to remind Michael Sheldon, Nathan Sanders, Mike Morer, that you have been selected and we have not heard from you. If we cannot hear from you, we cannot communicate with you, and you don't touch base, you're going to miss out, guys. We wouldn't want that to happen. Now, Eric Strong, he got back with us promptly because Eric is a stand-up guy. So, we want to let you know that the fine folks at Otis Technology have sent over a mountain of rifle maintenance tools and cleaning kits for the AR-15 and AR-10. We've been tasked with giving them away to you, the lucky listeners. So, watch for the special posts on Facebook and Instagram to get a chance to win some of the awesome products made by Otis Technology. We'll give away a complete MSR cleaning kit in either 5.56 or 7.62 in the middle of each month up until Christmas, when we'll give away a complete Otis Technology Elite Cleaning System to one lucky listener. During the alternating weeks, we'll be giving away a host of Otis tools and cleaning supplies and our grab bag of fun gear. So... We've got a bunch of addresses. We're going to be sending out stuff here at the end of the month, and I want to remind you, we are going to save ourselves some uh, hair loss, hair pulling, and general stress and hair falling outness by making a single run every month to the post office instead of four or five. So there you go. Well, yep, and one more one more point real quick on the giveaways here, Reed. Um, we have done Facebook giveaways for the month of March and April for the months of May. So if you're listening to this, um, it probably is the current uh, month of May right now, starting May 4th um, to, for that week and the months of May and June, we will be moving the giveaways over on Instagram. So be sure to go over to uh, Instagram forward slash AR15 podcast. Uh, and follow us over there and follow the instructions to enter each week. Now, Anthony, are we going to put a banner at the top of our Facebook that redirects people yes. outwards so they know what we're doing this time? Oh, yes. Good. There'll because... be a link on Facebook to take us over to the Instagram page, and the Instagram page is already extremely busy, so there'll be plenty of people over there to uh, to take part as well. Excellent, excellent. So, everybody, 
Get in while you can. Otis Gear, it's awesome. All right. Guys, we have some feedback this week. So yeah, I I got to hit the road here. Um, I will leave you guys with the feedback. I and, see. Uh, well, check in again next week. JD, JW's getting a sniffle. <laughs> He's got to get on to bed. We understand. We understand. Yeah. yeah. Good night, sir. Mr. Blood and Guts Trainer. Taken down. See by you guys sniffle. next time. Have a good night, JW. Bye. Bye. All right. Feedback. So, Anthony, I'm going to start off with Kyle. Go ahead. So Kyle says he tried to zero out his AR this weekend. Uh, apparently it shoots to the left as he had to adjust the rear sight all the way. Well, he didn't say all the way. He had to adjust the rear sight to the right. He said, is this common? Should I try to adjust the front sight post or is it not worth the hassle? He says, currently using an F-marked front sight and A2 style rear detachable carry handle. I would appreciate any information you have available. Well, so here's what I'm thinking. Do you so, think he started with it um, in the correct position Well, I, when he started the zero? I think that that's the number one thing that, that many shooters may not think about. That's uh, what I didn't know about. <laughs> so rotating your rear aperture all the way to the left or to the right and counting the clicks as it traverses from its starting point to the opposite side will give you the total number of clicks on your rear sight. Uh, and then you split the difference and put it back in the middle. Now, that's yep. a starting point. That doesn't always mean that that is going to get you spot on, but sometimes it does. So you should start there. Uh, you know, I would say your next concern might be that your front sight base is not trued up to, you know, top dead center. So here's what I would tell you to do. Your flat top upper receiver is oriented with a little, I guess, a dent in the threads where your barrel extension fits. There is a little post, which is a pin in your barrel extension, marrying the barrel extension to your barrel, it orients in that little dent in those threads. And that's how that rifle barrel knows where to be in relation to the front sight base. So I would detach your upper from the lower. I would lay the flat top on a flat level surface. And I would hold it true and flat and level on that service and tie a string with a weight to the barrel. The string should orient itself perpendicular to the ground and you should be able to eyeball whether or not your front sight base is off center. If it's not off center, you're good to go. If it is, I'd send that bad boy back. So now you've got the center of your Carry handle, you've got uh front sight base that's top dead center. There can be one more area where you're going to have some adjustment issues. And basically, it's marrying your carry handle to your um, flat top receiver. Some carry handles are not made to the same standards that others are. If your carry handle is going to sit wonky on your 
uh, flat top upper and your Picatinny rail. Uh, if it's canted, tilted, kinked, whatever, then it's going to be a little off. Uh, additionally, that entire uh, rear side assembly, if it's not a well-made rear side assembly, uh, it may not be true. So if you've done number one and you've done number two and you're good to go and you're still having the same issues, I might think about looking at some um, carry handles uh, of a little better quality. And I got mine from BCM, Bravo Company Manufacturing. I think they they do a really good job of trying to stay on top of the things that they're selling, making sure that it's good quality. So there you go. Kyle, I hope that helps. And for anybody else uh, facing those issues, uh, I hope that helps as well. All right, Anthony. I always muted there. Sorry about that. Sean from St. Louis writes in. He says, hey, guys, I love listening to the AR-15 podcast during my free time. For me, the best part of your show is having real industry speakers on your show versus guys that just like to shoot. I appreciate that one. I think we love it, too. It really helps me narrow down the best products for the AR-15. You do an excellent job of asking good, informative questions when interviewing. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Sean. I think um, the interviewing credit uh, in large part goes to Reed. Reed's an awesome interviewer. Reed um, does a really, really good job asking those uh, probing questions. So, well, very good. I appreciate it. I just want you to know that I just BS my way through everything. Well, it doesn't sound like it, so. All right. Well, let's see. D.W. Taylor writes in. He says, uh, a few weeks back, I had asked about the 6.5 Grendel. Since then, I have discovered your search engine. Using that, I found the old podcast that went into detail on the 6.5 caliber. Thanks for being proactive and having those in the library for me to review. And with that, I do want to remind you that uh, a listener wrote in. We sent that feedback up to uh, Jake, and he added a search function to our back catalog. So there you go. Uh, he says he is slowly working his way through the backlog of older episodes. Uh, I would prefer to do this on Stitcher, but they don't go back too far. I use my PC for the earlier ones. Uh, we have been having some problems with that. We are trying to address it. And you know, uh, Anthony, I have been pulling all of our old back catalog off of the media server, and I think we need to see if there is some interest in the listenership in getting copies of that. So, yeah, Anthony, would you can you poll the listeners on Facebook? All sure, five hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you should poll them on something that has more activity than our Facebook. Um. In any case, if you're listening to the podcast and you would like uh, back episodes or the entire back catalog on a thumb drive or some other medium, uh, let us know. Let us know what you're interested in. Let us know what we can do for you. All right. So with that, uh, let's see. He says his first AR-15 uh, is the SNW M&P 15 Sport. I let some friends give it a try as I was working on my handgun skills. They burned through 930, you know, 930 round magazines in about 20 minutes. This is how hot will a barrel get after this much rapid fire? What will this do to the barrel? Can the barrel handle this rate of fire or will it wear? Lose strength, accuracy, etc. So he says it isn't a match grade barrel, so he's not as concerned with the sub-MOA groupings, but just an overall understanding of what a black rifle can be expected to take. After all, we 
owe them, own them so that we can shoot them, right? Well, DW, I'm going to tell you this. After listening to the guys at FN talk about what people do to their barrels, I would tell you that there is nothing to worry about. I will tell you that the uh, standard 5.56, uh, 2.23 round, you're shooting through pretty much any barrel, is not the, the throat-burning, competition, life-shortening kind of round or... Uh, uh, kind of round or the kind of load that uh, is going to destroy a barrel quickly. And, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, guys. So, yeah, I, I think what Reed was saying is I don't know that it's going to nine, nine uh, magazines of 30 rounds. What do you think, Reed? Uh, sorry about that. I had a little tickle in my throat. Um, You'd probably be okay. You know, I, I just don't think that you're going to do anything. And, and. Not even, not even to a sport. No. I mean, the, the barrel in the sports can be the same as most of their barrels in their standard MMPs, right? Yeah. I think so. And, and I will tell you that I, I wouldn't think that you're going to do anything to the barrel until it starts glowing cherry red, maybe orange. Um, but, uh, to give you an example of how hot a barrel can get, um, we have seen uh, Magpul furniture catch fire with enough rounds, but certainly nine 30-round magazines in 20 minutes was not enough or is not enough for what we've seen. So, um, you know, I think you're going to be just fine. In fact, I think your rifle would take a whole lot more of a beating um, and probably wouldn't show you any signs of diminished accuracy. All right. So, Anthony, uh, why don't you take the next one? Next one comes from, oh, it says, hello, feedback. Okay. Interesting name. My name is, oh, Reed, you would give this one to me, wouldn't you? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to get this one. I'm going to get it. Evgenia, I think. Evgenia. 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 My name, my name is Evgenia, to me, of 25 years. I live in Russia. I live in Russia. I saw your profile, and you interested me very much. I want to find the man of my dream. You, I, think I should have read this ahead of time so I could have done it in the correct accent. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't AR-15 podcast feedback. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Anthony. Um, this must be one of... JW's many, many. If you decide to write me, lives. I wait for your answer very much. <laughs> I wait for your answer very much. So guys, yes, I am. we here at the Air 15 podcast do get spam. So um, my name is F- FPS Russia. <laughs> All right. So, um, have we got things? Uh, tell me which fancy do hidget widget doohickey does these things. This is Instagram. Instagram. Okay, Instagram. Yes. So if you guys don't want to take a look at some of these uh, lovely pictures, um, you can go to the show notes um, at ar15podcast.com slash 123, or you can head over to our Instagram page, or you can look for uh, hashtag AR15podcast on Instagram. 
So Dylan H. Cave um, tagged us on Instagram on one of his pictures and said, uh, wishing my range wasn't closed on Mondays. And uh, Dylan had uh, responded to a post we made last week about CMC triggers. We were looking for interest from our listeners on CMC triggers, and we had quite a bit, thank goodness. And he uh, had just ordered one very recently and has a picture of his CMC trigger package unopened sitting there waiting to be put into his rifle and his range is not open for him to go use it. So I feel his pain. Definitely understand that. And we've been following uh, another of Dylan's builds and he tagged us in another picture, picture a few days later. One fierce hatchet. He's got a lower that he's building and he has no, uh, no trigger group in there. So he's got a, a lower without a, uh, it looks like an SBR build, I believe that he's working on there. He's got an SBR buffer tube on it. And it's, um, no, 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 no. An SBR has a regular buffer tube. That would be a pistol build. It would have a pistol build. Pistol build. I'm sorry. I think it was a pistol build. Okay. I don't remember now. He's been, he's been working on a build and it was, um, I don't remember. I want to say it was going to end up being an SBR. Maybe it doesn't have a special buffer tube on it. Then. Maybe. I do not remember. You know what? But that looks like it is a pistol build though, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah, it look like a pistol? It does a little. Buffer tube? You know, when he says oh, one fierce hatchet, it just occurs to me. When is someone going to have a Picatinny rail attached hatchet blade? <laughs> now think about it. The tomahawk is an awesome instrument of mayhem. Okay. And imagine a Picatinny rail mounted hatchet blade. Have you seen the latest this week? No, the, are you uh, telling me I'm a day late and a dollar short? Revolver shotgun and attachment? Yeah, no, I don't think I want to have anything to do with that. Revolver. Yeah, it, it, that's called it mounts a underneath your, it mounts underneath governor. your barrel. It, it's a revolver shotgun. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to do yeah. that. Yeah, I don't remember all the details. It was rather massive. It didn't look like it was a judge. It looked like it was more like a 12 gauge. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like a 410. Um, but anyway, it, it's a nice little picture of his lower build, um, there without all of his parts in there. Um, the MSR 300 BLK writes in, uh, my 6.8 SPC build, and there's a picture here, uh, waiting on the silencer company trifecta muzzle brake to button on my Odinworks handguard, running an ALG combat trigger, 16 inch combat, uh, 1 and 11 twist SS barrel, and waiting on my pre-ordered 1 to 6 Vortex Strike Eagle to be shipped in. But in the meantime, I'll go with some Magpul, uh, Magpul MBUS, uh, sites that I have laying around. And it's a nice picture. I love that lower, um, I love the animated uh, mouth that a lot of people are putting on those lowers now. Now, that is the boar. Let's see. Where where did he say? Odin? No, 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 no. That's the handguard. Yeah, he didn't tell what kind of lower he had. Lower. So, Oh, gee. All right. MSR 300 BLK. Yeah, I'll, I'll come in on the post and ask him specifically what kind of lower he has there. All right. Now, I know I've seen it before. I could probably find it on the Internet myself. But, you know, we want you guys to tell us everything. Okay. Can't leave anything out. All right, and our uh, next piece of feedback, we had several on Instagram this week, comes from Lambo415. Very happy with my Vortex Optics Strikefire 2 and Magnifier. Yeah, so that's um, a magnifier very similar to the one I have, if not the exact same one that I have. I think it's the VMX3T. I think that's the one that I have. I was and then he's got a Strikefire 2. That's yeah. the setup you're running, isn't it? I don't have a Strikefire 2. Um, I've got... And my brain always short circuits when I try to remember what I've got the spark to, ah, ah. Um, which is a much smaller, more compact red dot. 
But um, yeah, he's got the the Strike Fire Two on there, and that's a very nice look. And actually, he posted this. He's got us tagged in it, and uh, Vortex responded to him in a comment and said, "I love this picture. Can we borrow this?" <laughs> so uh, Vortex borrowed his picture um, and is going to be using that uh, over on their page. So it's a it's, it is a very nice setup there. Um, and our our final piece of uh, Instagram feedback comes from JT Customizer, who's uh, tagged us in some things before. Uh, he's got a 25-yard semi-indoor shooting range, eagledefense.net. Pretty awesome place. Just wish it was closer to the house than it was. And then it's a nice-looking uh, uh, place. Looks like they've got some sort of a um, uh, – well, what, what kind of a cover would you call that, Reed? Um, I don't know. A, but I can tell you in uh, Texas that would sure take the heat of the noonday sun off your shoulders. Wouldn't it? It's, it's some sort of a metal structure with uh, a white – I don't know if that's a fabric or a, a tarp, plastic or um, tarp or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very nice, very professional looking, and it covers up the range. Um, and it's a maybe a half dome or something like that over oh, top yeah. of it. And I would bet. You know what? I think that there is a move in playground equipment to cover the playgrounds. I think that is the kind of thing that you would see in that industry. Uh, good use in the firearm sports. I kind of like that. I want to find out what range that's at. We'll have to figure <laughs> Eagle out. Eagle Defense. Well, but isn't at Eagle, Eagle Defense? Defense is, his. is that a website? Or that's that's what he said. Hmm. That's not his. He said it was EagleDefense.net was the range. I'm going to look and see. Uh, we'll look All and right. see. And if I'll, I'll let you know. Good, good, good. But that's, that's our, that's our final piece of feedback from Instagram. All right. Well, guys, you know, listeners, we really appreciate it when you write in. We appreciate it when you send us pictures. We appreciate everything you do. We hope that you appreciate what we do, and we do want to hear from you. So keep it coming and let us know what's on your mind. With that, um, Anthony, why don't you get us uh, through the outro? All right, guys. So, as always, you can send any questions or comments to feedback at ar15podcast.com. You can also send a recorded voicemail by using the SpeakPipe plugin on the right-hand side of the AR15 Podcast website. We'd love to hear your voice. Talk to us. Subscribe and listen to the AR15 Podcast for free in iTunes or over on Stitcher. And leave us a review there. It always helps us because the more you guys review us, the more uh, listeners find us. Share your pictures with us on Instagram at AR15podcast.com, or excuse me, at AR15podcast, and tag your pictures with either at AR15podcast or hashtag AR15podcast. Follow us over at Google+. You can search for plus sign AR15podcast. Check us out at YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash AR15podcast. Facebook, all oh, this sounds very much the same, guys. Facebook.com forward slash AR15podcast. And, of course, all the other great podcasts are on the Firearms Radio Network at firearmsradio.tv. And don't forget, one of the reasons that we're here are our wonderful sponsors, Brownell. So make sure you use Brownell's affiliate link for all of your AR-15 parts, ar15podcast.com forward slash parts. And for everything else, go to firearmsradio.tv forward slash Amazon because we know you buy everything else from Amazon. Just about everybody does. From bleach to hangers to... I don't know, clothing to anything and everything comes from Amazon. Well, there you go. Thank you, guys. All right. Everybody stay tuned. We'll have our next two basic build AR-15 podcasts in the next two weeks. Have a good week.
Are you looking for an extraordinary daily carry option? Look no further. Car Arms is giving away a P9 with night sights right here on the Firearms Radio Network. It's Car's EDC drawing. To enter, simply become a Patreon of any Firearms Radio Network show. Current patrons are automatically entered. But wait, there's more. Key bar, hellbent holsters, alien gear holsters, precision ear, and more have ponied up to enhance your EDC loadout. See all of these awesome prizes and more ways to enter at firearmsradio.tv slash EDC. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv. 